commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the ghost ships of Gendron to the petrified forests of Amaflux, I'm Rex Comback, and you're listening to Core World News. Your Star Wars newscast for in-depth coverage and analysis of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Here's your news segment rundown for June 21st, 2019. Kyber Crystal Comics Corner, reading Raftar. But first, Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy has named Michelle Rezwan as SVP of live action development and production for Lucasfilm. Now for your hosts, Ben, Grant, and Adam to discuss. All right. Nice. Thank you, Grex. Nice. We're uh, So, hey, new member of the team yep. out there, upper level management. Yep. Haven't heard much of this name before. I always thought this would be like... Something that would fall to Dave Filoni or something. Sure. Um, but uh, apparently she's close with JJ, and now we've yeah. got uh, like an intimate member of JJ's but, team on yeah. the Lucasfilm. Team. And the more I read about it, I'm like, who knew who Kevin Feige was before right. the MCU, right? The Marvel yeah. Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe. I feel like you need someone with a vision, right? I think, follow the vision out. And, yeah. and I think we've talked about this before. You need someone who's like equal parts creative and equal parts business, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's like someone like Kevin Feige. It sounds like this this woman is very much fits that mold. Fits that yeah. mold. And she, she has a long history of working with these massive franchises like Mission Impossible, yeah, uh, yeah. Star Trek, yep, and now Star Wars. I mean, it's just yeah. like, it's an yeah. organic fit. So. so she's prepped for the scale. Yeah. yeah, and I think she was assistant to JJ on the Force Awakens, and now she's working with him on Rise of Skywalker. Uh, wasn't so much in the other four that came out during four, three. Um, but I think she knows, I mean, to have someone who is there at the beginning mm-hmm. of the Disney at Disney and at the end of the Skywalker saga says a lot. Like it's someone who's who's known where it's going and, and knows where it needs to go. So I'm excited. I think this has been long overdue. I think, I think. I'll just be honest, I think they've been very lucky with how successful they've been in some ways because it's a lot of just trying <laughs> mm-hmm. to... They're doing it on the fly. They're, they're like, I feel like Han Solo is running it right now. And I love <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. And I think she's got a very Never Han Solo-like to her where she's yeah. just like going with her gut. And it's been driving her right you, the entire time. Do you guys time. think we're, we're going to see more projects and development yes. with, with Kathleen sharing this kind of authority over you know development deals and things like that? And, and possibly just you know twofold or threefold the amount of creators are yeah. going to come in after this? Because that's kind of what this looks like. It seems interesting that they, prior to this, they announced we're going to slow down, we're only going to release a movie every other year, and then Mm -hmm. they bring someone in to figure out what the future looks like. Because based on their last announcement, we know what the future of Star Wars looks like for the next decade. Which technically, maybe. So I have a feeling they were kind of doing that. In the eyes of Bob Iger. Exactly. And from his lofty, lofty perch. Yes. And I feel like they were doing that while they were figuring out who's the best person to actually steer the ship. This specific, not even the ship, just to focus on this part of the ship, right? Yeah, I I think you know the they needed to be like so far they've just been sort of plucking low hanging fruit yeah. as far as talent and um, mm-hmm. you know what they needed to sort of get this massive job done which is completing the Skywalker saga and um, I think they just it's a, it's about broadening your talent pool yes and um, I think this woman will sort of she's got different um, relationships than than Kathleen Kennedy does and, yep. um, than they've seen before and um, so she. You know, I mean, she's technically minority hire, even though there's 50% women out there. But let's yeah. face it, there's not a lot. And um, maybe she knows some minority, nice, yeah. talented, unsung heroes um, that haven't gotten the experience they need. I mean, there's a part of me that believes or wants to believe that the Star Wars franchise is much like its characters, 
where it kind of wants plucky upstarts. Like it yeah. wants people with good ideas to come forward and do great things. Yeah. Um, it's tough to find those people. It's tough yeah. to weed out the flotsam and the jetsam. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dave Filoni did it. Yeah. And um, actually, and he did it through one of our friends that we had. Um, yeah. Um, George Kerstick, you know, actually revealed them. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so it can happen. And, and I think this is a good way to do it. You've got to sort of cast a wider net and, and, sure. and really find the talented people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the deadline article here, there's even a quote from Kathleen about Michelle. And it says, uh, working with Michelle for over the last seven years as a producer on both The Force Awakens and now The Rise of Skywalker, I've seen firsthand her skills collaborating with writers and directors. I've been incredibly impressed with her creative skills and her ability to manage the complexities surrounding these massive projects. Um, I know the importance of building a team and that you can trust and have fun working with it is a paramount to our success. So lots of really, really, really uh, kind words about Michelle and her, her talents and her skills. And I mean, this is just, it's awesome. And I, I can't wait to see, you know, Star Wars uh, create its own, you know, exclusive content for Disney Plus. And, and yeah. it's going to be a massive wing of that platform. I mean, yep. yeah. we know that streaming services have to create their own exclusive content to, to sustain themselves and to create draw and buy-in. And it's like Star Wars is a huge part of that. Marvel too, but right. I would say Star Wars could yeah. equally be a major it's, draw. It's a more coveted... Uh, um, resource i feel like you know the 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 marvel content has been sort of distributed willy-nilly all the movies have been on netflix it's just been sort of kicking around yeah Yeah. they had their own content on netflix for a while but the star wars ip is like it's tough to get your hands on and um and especially if you're generating new content that's i think that's really going to be the jewel the crown jewel in the disney um video on demand no it's disney plus true i mean marvel's a very different animal as much as i often talk about similarities between the two at the end of the day you mess up a Marvel movie, you mess up a character in Marvel, right. you, re- still you a reboot it in five <laughs> yeah. years. How many times have oh, we rebooted yeah. Spider-Man until we finally got the right Spider-Man? Yeah. It was like four tries, but Fantastic. we were there. Four tries on Fantastic right? Four. Yeah. But we'll have another Fantastic Four yeah. within five years, right? Yeah. But you can't do that with Star Wars because it is its own. It's <laughs> yeah. very... We only are basing it on five big characters in a lot mm-hmm. of ways that if you mess up something that you yeah. can't fix, you can't just reboot Star Wars. Yeah, it's so funny because yeah, now now I'm beginning to think like it's just it really is myth. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not storytelling; it's myth telling. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's because it's a, you have to approach Star Wars from an entirely different way. And yeah. um, the good storytellers, I think, a lot of good storytellers want to speak that way. And it seems like you know it's not hard; it's just different and it's just focused. And yeah, um, you know, we're seeing as we're going to talk a little bit about Alphabet Squadron later. Like, there's some good Star Wars storytellers yeah. out there. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, hopefully we get that Dr. Afro show. Yeah, <laughs> here's open. Would love that green light. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And Grex, was there any other uh, headlines? Samuel Jackson said this on The Late Show. Is there a character you'd like to go back to that you haven't had a chance to? Um, I'd really love to get one more run at Mace Windu in Star Wars. <laughs> now... Do you see a way that he survived the attack of... There's a long history of one-handed guys in the, you know, that were Jedis that had lightsabers that still make it. But he fell out a window and everything. Jedis can fall from incredible heights and not die like cats. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's canon right there. Nice. Yeah. Um, awesome. Sure. I, I love the reaction out of the crowd when he's like, Mace Windu, and they're like, 
Who? Who? We were, we were revving our fists just yeah. listening to that. Yeah, right? that is, yeah dude, it was it was like Arsenio and Hall in here, but um, yeah, man, of yeah. all things, he was like, yeah, Mace Windu, dude, I, in sure, I'm totally I mean, in. He yeah. should, he can have his Olden show. Yeah, I mean, what would he do? I almost want to see like a lone lone Mason cub, like he finds mm-hmm. an orphan in like the the, the derelict streets of Coruscant, like yeah. the underground, maybe. I feel like just protects them. Yeah, and, like, I feel like he never leaves Coruscant. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think you have him just kind of like just, doling out justice. Yeah, the... trying to get back and I. But this would be an older mace, right? Because he, I mean, you have to play himself. Jaded, older. He called it too. He said, "I sense there's a plot to destroy the Jedi." Like in one of the clone, yeah, yeah. You know, transports at one point. Oh yeah. Well, I'll go. it's like yeah. He's the cynic. He's so, yeah. So Solid. the issue with me whenever you have a Jedi running around is it, it starts to dilute the storyline. Do you know what I mean? I think you're yeah. good here because you have that. It's the time between three and four. So you can kind of still have Jedi running around a little bit. Yeah. But it'd be weird to have Mace Windu running around. You'd have to have a reason. Like, why is he not just kicking A's and taking names? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, why is he's He's one of the most powerful Jedi. So, right. The fact that he was, I don't know, electrocuted for 38 seconds yeah. and then got his hand chopped off and then thrown out a window is maybe he doesn't know who he is anymore. Maybe we go amnesia route oh. and we get Punisher in the oh. uh, in the bases of like in in the lowest levels of maybe he's just killing. So maybe he loses guys. his lightsaber at yep. first, but then like he Fine. finds it Starts, again. And so it's... the story is a search yeah. for his memory of who or he is. Or his lightsaber is talking to him. His kyber crystal is like Some, somewhere yeah. around and he's like, what is that? Yeah. yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It would be definitely a dark story, though. I think we're all yes. thinking oh, the tone is going to be yeah. very dark. No, I, yeah, I yeah. want Jules like doing <laughs> yeah. that, like yeah. walking the earth, but instead yeah. of Earth, like Coruscant. Yeah. It's basically set in Blade Runner, right? Like, because I feel yeah, like the basically. lowest levels of Coruscant are Blade Runner. It's always raining. It's, dark, it's always it's dark. There's tons lighting. of random neon yeah. and raining yeah. around. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. Maybe he can get a. Uh, a cool robotic prosthetic totally. after a while, yeah, like really gnarly one. Maybe we'll get a spider arm, you know, because everything you get with robots is, is barely starts or out. Or found by a form. guy like you know, like oh. Fizing Gore, and like oh, yeah. brain transplant into like a robot, you know, like balance <laughs> or, per se or something like wow. that. It could get real strange yeah, in yeah, sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I like the amnesia route. I think that's like my favorite route. It's go. hard. I, I don't like to pitch it because I feel like it's always such an easy thing. But to me, it's like you got to find... It's like I have written a few horror movie scripts and it's always like when you write it in modern times, the first thing you do is like, how do we take care of cell phones? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like, like it's Because that's ruined the horror yeah. movies for everyone. And every right. movie you watch now, they're like out of service, out of battery. Like you got it or something. It, I dropped it in the lake. Like you have yeah, to get yeah. rid of this. And so I feel like similarly when you have Jedi running around, you have to figure out like why aren't they not involved in a larger thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is an argument to say it, it would might take away from the impact of Anakin's turn and, and that whole moment if mm. he comes right back and he's yeah, yeah. I mean, he could be unconscious for a while. He should be homeless for a minute. Yeah. Realize who he is. Realize what's happened. I mean, there's at least you know. I mean, the season finale is he comes back, he finds his lightsaber, and he knows what he's doing. You know. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think they could still write for him. Someone could write for him in a way that's entertaining through that process. Sure. Plus, if, we get if any Jedi were to come for Vader, it would be Mace Windu. Like yeah. if he eventually reconnected with his memory. What's well, the huh, thing? Yeah. He doesn't know. He wouldn't know who Darth Vader. Oh, but he'd be like, once he would, he would like. Oh, but he wouldn't know Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. But, but I think he could yeah. figure it out. Just the fact that the person who killed him was the Emperor's right hand in a way. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That like he can might. And now there's this random uh, guy walking around. He would have you know, suspicions. I think he would have his suspicions, and I think Mace Windows the type of guy who acts on suspicion. You know what I mean? He might just yeah. be like. 
I feel it. It's enough. I know it's Anakin in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He might even, he, he would know Anakin probably. If yeah. He felt his presence, right? He was one of the best Jedi that he kind of like symbolized the, the fall of the Jedi. His death almost symbolized the fall of the Jedi to me. And I feel like that was, that's kind of important for the story yeah. in itself. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that, that's another argument to say maybe we don't move forward with the character, but uh, like I, I'm there for those shows. To sure. Discuss. Yeah. Like I'm there. I love so, those yeah. videos. Yeah. So a good writer can sink their teeth on that. And oh, definitely. Do something great. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Do it. Do it. Let's get Make it done. It. Make the man happy. <laughs> Come Excellent. This is a segment where we talk about all the comics that came out this week. And this week we had a few. Uh, specifically, three came out. We got TIE Fighter number three, Dr. Afra number 33, and Star Wars number 67, which is uh, Kyrian Gillen's uh, swan song on the issue. So I think we'll end with that one um, and yeah. start with TIE Fighter. Uh, which will tie in a little bit to our discussion about Alphabet Squadron. It is they were released mm-hmm. together. Synergy, synergy, synergy. synergy. <laughs> um, so Tie Fighter number yeah. three, The Shadow Falls Part Three, brought to you by Hauser, Antonio, Borges, Prianto, Wanridge, uh, Caramanga, and Edwards. Uh, so. Quick summary, uh, in Shadow Wing's mission to take back a Star Destroyer from a rogue Imperial squadron, uh, abilities are tested and lives are lost with the Rebels suddenly joining the fray. Mm. That's the way I would describe that issue. Yeah. Uh, without giving too much away. But, uh, you know, it's hard not to talk about this without talking a bit about Alphabet Squadron because this is, in a lot of ways, a prequel. This is the... Alphabet Squadron is tasked, and we'll talk about with hunting down Shadow Wing. And right. Shadowing is featured heavily in this, but there's quite a bit of time between because this we were talking about before uh, air. This uh, story place takes place sometime between um, Yavin and Endor, right? And then Shadow Squadron, or sorry, Alphabet Squadron takes place after Endor. Um, so immediately after, yeah, yeah. So part of the question we have is: Are we going to see who do we see from this that ends up in Alphabet Squadron on the opposing side? Right. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, yeah, you should we, read both and find out. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But interesting. I mean, these it feels more in this like they're humbler beginnings. Yes. For Shadow Squadron, where when we see them in Alphabet Squadron, they're kind of they're the, the most imposing the big force. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is. So. Yeah. Um, and in this comic, we get uh, the introduction of of Major Soren Keys, who's mm-hmm. a huge player in uh, Alphabet Squadron. Yep. And um, uh, he I, just to see what he looks like, see how they they, they illustrated. Uh, his character is just so fascinating. He's almost like, and we've been, we were talking about this before the show, that he's almost like this this almost aged Poe Dameron for the Imperials. He's kind sure, of classy. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that 70s charm, charming kind of look. Um, it's 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 really interesting character. Like That's almost kind of what I miss out of the film is I would love to have an Imperial ace in the movies, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I guess Kylo serves as that in the sequel trilogy, but, you know. Yeah, but we could have more than one. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to have a character like this. Yes. Yeah. I would like that a lot. I think... Um, you know, it is interesting reading these and then reading Alphabet Squadron because a lot of the, the crossover uh, is with those kind of secondary characters, mm-hmm. right? The Keys, the Grandmother, Quell yeah. actually shows up in, in, yeah. a, in a frame or two in issue one. That's right. So, but it's it's fun. It's a nice little tie-in for that. Uh, any other thoughts about TIE Fighter? No, I mean, it just, I like this story for the same reason I like uh, Alphabet Squadron, where it's like, it's at a certain tier of soldier where like the lines between yep. um, good and bad, friend or foe, are very blurry. Yes. It's just sort of like, I don't know, I take commands, what do you do? I take commands. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So. 
um, it's very if you like that sort of storytelling, which I do, um, uh, it's great. Yeah, I agree. When the and the when the rebels show up, it's not a happy thing. Like yeah, you know, absolutely. they do a good job. Jody Hauser does a good job of writing uh, sympathetic characters, even in the Empire. You're yeah. kind of like when something happens and the and the and the rebels show up, you're like, oh no, the bad guys are here. Right. <laughs> so. I think that's true. And I love that about Alphabet Squadron. It really does mm-hmm. such a good job of really painting both sides and talking about the the, yeah. the the you know ground forces or air forces on both sides. Yeah. And how and they getting, end up where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Um what's what else you got? Uh we got Dr. Afra number thirty three, Unspeakable Rebel Super Weapon, part two, brought to you by Spurrier, Santos, Wingard, Bracario, uh Deering, Wong, O'Halloran, uh Petru. Karamanga and Witter. A lot of people. A lot of people worked on this. A lot of partnerships um, working on the art and the inks. Yeah, and and it shows shows that there's a lot of talented people working on this. Um, But after, uh, uh, let's see, after obtaining the Far Killer, um, again, it's a a gun that shoots lightsabers, um, Hmm. Afra is confronted by her ex, Manga Tolvar, and the Rebel Alliance. Uh, forced to pick a side, Afra thinks back on the moral teachings of her mother. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, those flashbacks definitely show that. Yeah, that I I think that might be my favorite part of this of this new um, plot or new story so far is the flashbacks with her mom. And, yeah, and kind of talking about this, and you can see where Afra became Afra because we got a lot in the past issues with yeah. her dad, which yeah. explains the archaeologist treasure hunter side mm-hmm. of Afra and her mom. <laughs> Uh, more explains why she is um, somewhat nihilistic. Um, really doesn't necessarily believe yeah. in. Don't um, join, right? Don't join, yeah. right? Yep. Doesn't believe necessarily that there's this dichotomy of light versus dark. Her mother talks to her mm-hmm. about the dark side is not mm-hmm. dark because it's it's evil, but because they practice what they did in the dark in secret, and that's why it's called the dark side. That was yeah, her mother's yeah. explanation of the dark side. And then she goes on to say, like, they did horrible things, but so did the Jedi on the light side did horrible things. So it's Not really. Kind of I know. I don't necessarily, I don't agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, that's where some, there's some odd there's, conditions yeah. there. And I think you're not supposed to be reading this, but you're reading right, it and you go right. like, no, oh, this is how we get Afra, right? This is, this is how, how you get an Afra right. after this. It doesn't but really believe Uav, in anything. The, uh, the Jedi who once owned the Far Killer, I mean, he he was someone who used that weapon, and that weapon's a weapon of mass destruction. And it's, yeah. it's kind of like, the, what does that say about the Jedi in general? She, the, so the mom is right in, she's, in, a, yeah. in this circumstance. Yeah. And, and, we do see the rebels flirting with what to do with this new super weapon. Do they employ it? Is there justification yeah. because of what the empire's done to them? So right. there is a literal discussion about, um, you know, collateral damage. And one of, the, one of the droids say collateral damage is an issue. Of course, we calculated several thousands dead to which um, uh, the rebel leader said, uh, but to end the war, even Moth, even though Mothma would think we go we go crazy if she knew it, some of us have the guts to make that choice, right? So it even shows that in the Rebel yeah. Alliance, there's a lot of discussion of like, our goal is to end the Empire. How do we do that? Is it worth yeah. killing a thousand innocents to end this, or do we do it more, you know, through more targeted strikes? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Afra's in the background listening to all this and thinking back <laughs> back where her mom told her. Yeah. And hacking their their networks. Yes, and hacking their <laughs> networks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a great line from her mother. Her mother that's uh, there are no goodies and baddies. There's just whoever's tough enough to be in charge of the story yeah. today, hmm. yeah. which is a great line. We are nihilist, Lebowski. We believe in nothing. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're getting there. Oh yeah. I just love that we're 33 issues into this, and 
they're still unpacking Dr. Afra's backstory. And like yeah, even yeah. 33 issues and you're like, you're getting a little more insight into who, how she became, you know, who she is. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Um, you know, I will also say, and this goes for what we're about to talk about, which is Star Wars 67. I think the comics are doing an amazing job of sewing together the EU and original canon in a way that seems seamless. Like the fact that there, you have a scene with her talking with Mom Mothra and talking with other characters we recognize and then them referring to Hera Syndulla. Um, yeah, which just feels yeah. natural. And we get that a lot in Alphabet Squadron as well, yeah. that they, they've done this thing to make these characters that we were introduced with either the Disney movies or EU and having them play with original characters and it just feels seamless in a lot yep. of ways. And it just feels like there's one big galaxy in a way. That's, Synergy. It's, yeah, it is. It is. In a way that the old EU didn't necessarily feel that way. A lot of times right. the old EU felt like these are these stories and they're completely separate and they don't really interact versus like mm-hmm. Disney knowing through Synergy yeah. We're going to have to have a scene where Syndulla interacts with Afra and Afra inter- interacts with Luke and all these characters are talking to each other yeah. at some mm-hmm. point. And it's satisfying when it happens. Yeah, and, and at the end of the issue, Afra's still on her own side. Yeah, not shocking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting where we go. We still got, uh, I assume this is the sixth uh, issue arc. It usually is. So we still got four more to go, um, which is fascinating because it's, it's you know... Issue one, she finds the super weapon. Issue two, the rebels have the super weapon. <laughs> Which you would be like, wow, they're really moving fast. So I don't know yeah, where yeah. quite they're going with this, you know, but uh, it'll be fun. All right. I'll talk about uh, Star Wars 67. Let's do it. Please. All right. Star Wars 67, part six of, uh, part six and the last part of the scourging of Shu Tarun. Shu Tarun. Last time we got to do that for a while. Yeah. Um, brought to you for the last time by Kirian Gillen, uh, Nzutu, Guru EFX, Cows, and Peril. So much more, you know, focused group of individuals. Just five on this on this run. This is the big finale. Big finale. Yeah, and I don't have a logline for this because I don't want to give too much away. Um, but uh, last we left it, uh, our team was on Shu Tarun, mm-hmm. um, trying to cripple. Kreen Trius's, um palace, basically. Yep. Uh, they were successful, but somewhat too successful because Benthic Two Tubes was trying to overload it to the point that it would destroy destroy the entire planet. Meanwhile, the uh, Imperials showed up and are also trying to destroy everyone. Right. right. Commander so, uh, Kanchar. Kanchar, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, and without giving too much away, he has uh, his fate is sealed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He lives forever happily. Who knew he yeah. wanted to own a candy store? It's uh, it's it's again. I think we've this the sixth issue in this arc, and we've raved about it before. I think I think uh, Gillen is really putting his all into yeah. kind of ending his run. Um, and at the very end of the issue, he actually has a little write up of his kind of his experience mm-hmm. and uh, his experience in the Star Wars comics is that he came in with Vader was going to, when he finished his run of Vader, was going to go write his own comics. And mm-hmm. then uh, the executives came to him and said, well, do you want to write Dr. Afra?" And he's like, oh, all right, I'll try Dr. Afra." And then as oh, wow. his, as that was ending, they said, do you want to write Star Wars, the, the main issue? And he's like, and, and he kind of felt sheepish through the entirety of him, just like kind of like, <laughs> he felt like he was failing upwards in a way. <laughs> but, he's, but he was very clear about, like, I want to. And that's when he did the Screaming Citadel crossover with uh, Dr. Afra and Star Wars, because he wanted to write wow. those characters a little bit before he said yes, to feel like, do I have a voice for Luke and Leia and Han that yeah. would fit? And so it's a nice little story about how he kind of, you know, thought he was coming on Star Wars for a year or so and ended up working on the whole thing for four and a half years. So, wow. yeah. It's a good run. It is a good run. And, and 
Um, not sure who's up to next, but uh, wish him luck, that's for sure. Yeah, and there's a beautiful kind of button to the dream conceit, first mm-hmm. brought up by Saw Gerrera and then carried on by Benthic, but, but, but Leia drops oh, the, yeah. the final button on that whole idea. Which you is lose the dream. You'll, yeah. yeah. You know, your, your dreams of over... Uh, Benthic has dreams of overthrowing the Empire because both Jeddah and uh, Alderaan are, you know, these planets that had this terrible demise because of the Empire, but in avenging something to get back at someone in hatred for the pain that they've caused, you're, the dream dies. The dream yeah. of hope and, and peace dies with that with that idea. So, And Leia says that, you know, your dreams die too if this happens. And too late for that. I mean, the planet's going to blow up. The planet, right. you think the planet's going to blow up, but it actually is not, the explosions, the destruction is not as substantial. No, as... much to the chagrin of the nihilistic cult, <laughs> yeah. right, who refer to it as a, uh, unfortunately, the, the it's merely... The <laughs> Yes. Is merely a disaster, not Armageddon, <laughs> yeah. is what they say. So merely a disaster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are nihilists. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, man, must be exhausting. Yeah. What do they call the cult of the isopters? I believe so. Yeah. I'll have to look at the very last line. Uh, welcome to the cult of central, uh, central isopter. Isopter. Central cult. Yes. Central isopter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I would actually party with that cult for a while. They have great outfits. First of all. They yep. see explosions a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't seem intent on killing themselves, which I'm a big fan of. So, um, yeah, they seem like a good time. They sure do. And and uh, so coming off this, um, and we've talked a bit about this before, but um, Greg Pak takes over as uh, head writer next month, and he's the one who's been writing all the uh, Age of Rebellion plot okay. lines. So, so he's been playing in this world a little bit with those all those characters. I'm looking forward to it. And it seems like... Based on what his plot line is going to be, I saw that from a while ago, and based on the way this issue ends, is we're butting right up against uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Yeah, that this this comic, as Dang. as as Gillian said, has pretty much done everything it can to close the gap, tell all the stories between Episode Four and Episode mm-hmm. Five, which is really cool. It is very cool. Yeah. The celebration is going to be a big, you know, Empire Fest. Yes, he's going to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I imagine the Project Luminous books, the, yep. the Greg Pak run here, all this stuff's probably going to tie to Empire. It's going to be this massive oh, yeah. celebration, which I'm so excited for. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? We're going to have the end of the Skywalker saga in December. So they're looking forward is to look further back, right? Yeah. It's to be like, we got to celebrate Empire, which is, of course, you celebrate the most critically acclaimed yeah. it's so thing. Good. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's so going to be amazing. Um, all right, that's comics for this week. <laughs> Super. All right. Well, um, so we're going to do a little reading Rathtar right now Mm -hmm. um, and talk about uh, the one book that came out a little over a week ago, about a week and a half, uh, which is Alphabet Squadron. Um, Again, we're just going to talk briefly, a little update. Um, We haven't all um, gone all the way through this book yet, and we figure it's probably only fair. Speak for yourselves, noobs. (laughs) Adam has finished the book. And the rest of us have not. We'll just put it that way. We'll be there next week, for sure. Yeah, 100%. I'm going to be there uh, in a half and, an hour. So. And as an update, I think what we'll do in, in the, kind of in the future is do, we'll plan on this kind of yeah. two weeks out. Because yeah. as much as I got through it, and, I, and we'll talk more, I really love the book. It did start feeling like homework where I had like yeah. reading goals yeah. every day to get done. And I don't want to, I want to yeah. be able to slowly in a, in enjoy, a, and enjoy it. So I think yeah. two weeks is enough for me to be able to like really That's perfect. enjoy yeah. it. Two deep, weeks deep, 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 We're the so. only ones imposing this on ourselves. I'm sure there's yeah. those of you out there that just like smash these books um, and good for you. And um, if we're holding back um, your desired 
conversation. I apologize, but um, we're just going to go with this because it's uh, the best we can do. Yeah. But um, yeah. So next week we're actually going to do a future episode on this, and um, yeah, because there's yeah. a ton to talk about in that book. Oh my gosh, so, so many layers, and yeah. yeah, and we're going to um, yeah, do it soup to nuts, and we'll probably do a spoiler filled okay. um, for that. Yeah. But, but um, as of right now, we pretty much know all the characters and what we're looking at. Yeah. How about uh, we just go around and say like our favorite thing thus far without spoiling anything? What's your kind of favorite takeaway so far? Kiros. Yeah. Kiros yeah. is my favorite character in in literature. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like the more I learned about her through this book, mm-hmm. the more, I mean, even in the beginning, she's great. She's just like this mystery thing. And I was like, all right, that's a good bit. Like, mm-hmm. It's nice to have the person who doesn't talk. He's constantly had, but like, yeah, but she, you you just never know what she is yep. and she's um and it adds great power to scenes and it makes her a really amazing character yep. and like i said the more you learn about her the more the cooler yeah. she gets i'll say for me the favorite thing without giving anything away is there's a moment where they very clearly say this is what makes us different than the empire and yeah. it nearly made me cry because sometimes i feel like we miss that like i love rogue squadron yeah or rogue one and rogue one rogue yeah. one and i think they did a good job of that and i think this book really is very much kind of in a lot of ways a, a kind of like philosophical sequel to Rogue, yeah. to Rogue One in a lot of ways. This is like what you know, we are down the muck, we're 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 fighting wars, but what makes us different than the people the we're trying enemy. to overthrow? And there's a moment that I thought was really beautiful that made me actually well up a little bit, which I yeah. was really happy about. They really capture the pain of my favorite stuff from this book so far is the capturing the pain and the trauma that these star pilots feel when yeah. they're mm, when mm-hmm. there's just when they're in oh. these these dog fights and these vicious, vicious space battles and yeah. then when they have to jump out of them and someone doesn't make it like yeah that, it's just breaks yeah. your heart it's yeah it's really yeah. it's so visceral stuff yeah, it's yeah. so visceral and for like a, you know it's this is a space opera like at, yep. at its bones i mean when you look at a lot of those like star wars comics it's like it's cute and it's fun mm-hmm. yep. and then they fight there's a battle a bowl and there's explosions yep. and it looks cool yeah this is not that no this is like you smell the sweat on the inside of mm-hmm. like yeah. of your x-wing you can see the scratch marks at the hinges yeah. of the windows where yep. they've installed the um clear steel it's uh, actually mm-hmm. a clear steel yep. is what the, the canopies are made out of yeah they like you you learn so much yeah. about the world you really do it is process nerdy to the max and yeah. it's just like so much moral quandaries which i just really really yeah. enjoy yeah um you know, I think I think it's really great, and I'll say this, and I don't mean this despairingly at all, um, because I'll start out by saying my favorite books in the old EU was Rogue Squadron, yeah, and this feels like Rogue Squadron for grownups. <laughs> okay, and I don't mean okay. that in a negative way. Like Rogue, Squ- Rogue Squadron was so consumable and so much fun, but I feel like because back in the old EU, they're popping one of those out every six months, right? right. So it was like it felt like serial yeah. storytelling. Like it felt like it was written to a very pulpy. It's very pulpy, right? Yeah. This feels I'm not gonna quite call it literature, but it feels like pretty highbrow Star Wars. It's the highest brow Star Wars Star Wars yeah. does. Like there's yeah. a certain amount like where they have they have in the first couple pages of the book. If you see an outline there, like if you see a, a timeline, mm-hmm. that means you're looking at like adult reading exactly. canon yeah. and like yeah. what they, they consider to be their premium content. Exactly. There's way more moving yeah. part, parts in the, the post-war landscape is super interesting because it's, it's fragmented, right? There's It's not yeah. just like Bloodline where there's loyalists and populists. I mean, we have imperial loyalists. We have imperial defectors. We have New Republic intelligence. We have partisans. We have all these different squadrons, yes. all these different factions. It's yeah. like fascinating. Yeah. Like this book is absolutely fascinating. Um, so much, so much detail. It's the other reason I I suggest taking your time with it because there's a lot yeah. of moving parts, and I had to yeah. keep going back and googling and doing stuff, and and not because it's written confusingly. It's just like if you are trying to force yourself to read twelve percent 
when you go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> you're going to start losing yeah. it. And so yeah. I started actually going back and forth between reading and listening to the audiobook, which worked really well for me. And I think I'm going to yeah. do that now in the future. But it's worth taking your time with it. It's really rewarding as a book. Yeah, really great. Yeah, the other day I was working with Grant and you mentioned that he was stopping and like in taking notes. He's like, I'm researching yeah, I everything I, I see. Um, you know, I, I'm researching everything. And I was like, oh, gosh, you know, I really should. Grant puts this to shame every week, I feel like. Well, I, have, I just write bullet points down. And I, I, try yeah. to, I try to get jargon, uh, yeah. locations. Jargon is good. Uh, jargon's yeah. great. Um, locations, uh, um, ships, ship models, model numbers. Oh, definitely like blasters, mm-hmm. ship models, yeah, yeah. Uh, species, and yep. planets or something. Those, yeah. those yeah. things I always would. And then, totally. and then dialogue. Yeah. However, good. I would. Yeah. I, let's just say don't look up all, all the planets because I got a pretty bad spoiler. Yeah, you got to be careful, right? Like I mm-hmm. tried to try to only look up species for that reason if I don't yeah. know what species is. And yeah. plants you would think would be safe, but... Well, usually you can scroll down and it'll be like, oh yes, they've already listed. And most of the characters from this book are already on the wiki. Yes. Um, but, and you don't have to, you don't scroll down any further. You don't see yep. anything, but this is like a really short mm-hmm. thing. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, new... Couldn't yeah. help but read it. Yeah. Couldn't help but read it in it. Yeah. It was um, not awesome. Yeah. But... Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's going on next week. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about that. I think we'll talk about we have some. This gave us some more thoughts about episode nine. So I think oh, yeah. we can and solidified yeah. some of our thoughts about episode nine. So we can definitely delve into that. We're gonna have a lot to talk about next week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then I guess we'll leave it at that. Just another um, long pitch for this um, thing. Even though I know last week we raved about what we'd read so far. We'd only been a couple chapters in, but uh, this this book's the real it deal. This gets is better and better as you read. Yeah, it really it's does. head and shoulders above a lot of the canon reading. And I, I mean, I've read everything. I've enjoyed everything. Yeah. But I, I'm trying to think. Like, um, I enjoyed um, Phasma as much as this book because it was such like an mm-hmm. outlier and it was such a unique read. I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed Tarkin, Bloodlines. Bloodline. It's like Bloodline. It feels, it's very Bloodline-y. Yeah. yeah. It's like it has that much, but it's like more complex than Bloodlines even. I feel like there are kind of two types of... Because they're, they're, when you look at the canon stuff, and you look at the the um, grown-up or adult canon stuff, I feel like you get these very much in the politics of the world, which mm-hmm. is very much like your Bloodlines, mm-hmm. your Aftermath, your, well, your Tarkin. Uh, Tarkin, your Phasma in a way even. Yeah. And then you have your just kind of... I don't know if they're like your adventure stories, which are still like right. like uh, long shot, right? Yeah, really good. Master and Apprentice, in yeah. a way, is very just more, and mm-hmm. it is focused on the Jedi, but it's very much more like this is a adventure story yeah. that's told for adults, right? For, like it's yeah. still a lot going on there. But I love that book too. I do too, and I love I love uh, long shot or last shot, long yeah. shot, last shot, last, last shot. shot. Yeah. I, I would say, yeah, I would say these the the comparison I draw is to aftermath. I mean, this just, mm-hmm. it's. A lot yeah. of like Aftermath, yeah. spiritual the same sequel concepts, yeah. right? Ideas yeah. just after the war. Yeah, just spoken, uh, told in a different voice, and it's even. I even feels like it drills down a little closer. It does. Where it was like sort of Wendig did it with poetry, like she's doing it like Thin Red Line, just yep. like laid naked bare. Well, what it means for the people on the front lines of, yeah. of these of these things, right? These, yeah. these these decisions by you know larger yeah. than life people, and we're still deciphering Operation Cinder. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah we are. And right, and what is. dealing with that at a certain level so yeah kind of i think they're doing such a good job of laying the groundwork for eu stuff between three and or mm. between six, six and, and seven. seven and i feel like there could be this whole untold story that we don't know yeah the cinder thing is interesting yeah 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah. we know that partially it's to test the loyalty and to, to harden whatever officers can survive yeah. the operation to, to join the next you know iteration of the of the empire. Sure, we don't yes. know per se. That's a little, a lot of it. Uh, yeah. Maybe the no, officers no. believe. I, I agree what with that. What we know is that it's essentially mass genocide. Like, yeah. It's just yeah. scorched earth sort of it policy. Is, yeah. But it's like why? 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 Yeah. And I think next week we can talk to about the our thoughts about the yeah. why. I think it's really yes. kind of interesting. Yeah. And, I, and I love that this is a. This is something that was introduced in, in the aftermath, which was released right around episode seven, right? So we've known yeah. this operation for five years now. Yeah. And they're not in any rush yeah. to tell us why they're it's why been it's, it's been, been a trickle. It's been a trickle. You should have Empire, Aftermath, Battlefront Two games. We've just yeah. been getting yeah. the slow kind of a which I drip of, yeah. of that what that could all mean. So it's yeah. it's a dark place though. Mm. <laughs> for like the victory. <laughs> I mean yeah. I guess hopefully they celebrate Episode Nine as the victory now. But it could but there's like it seems like I think it was twenty to. years of the Empire, but then like thirty years of like chaos. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think there was peace in there, but they, you don't really want to read stories about peacetime right. in a world called Star Wars. Yeah. Which, even in the old EU, you didn't get much either, right? Before yeah. they were like, the Chiss and this and that came out, and this came in, and this other species, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Like, if you're going to have, if you're going to keep telling stories in the universe, blank has to go bad. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Or else it's just, right. or else you're trying to be, do Gene Roddenberry's original Star Trek, which is like, they're just solving problems, and it's just, which yeah. is fun, mm-hmm. but it's hard to tell long-form storytelling with that. Right. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Well, all right. I guess that uh, wraps it up for us uh, for this week. Um, and yeah, like I said, um, so actually we'll, we're just uh, about to hunker down for to tape a second recording. We're about to do pre-record um, a John Williams special episode that's going to air um, right on July 4th, actually. Yeah. Because um, we're all going to be elsewhere. Um, so please, in two weeks, check that out. Um it's going to be awesome. Yeah. We're really it's going to be awesome. It. It's yeah. going to be multimedia. There'll be a lot of music in it. We're yep. going to talk about our favorites. We'll sort of break down kind of the way it goes. And um, that's going to be super great. Um, and then next week, um, we'll be talking about Alphabet Squadron and um, whatever else pops up between yeah. now and then, because you never know. Cool. So um, thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. May the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.